everyone. This is Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. And today we have a special episode. I have someone with us called Lorette Nickel and with her puppy, Georgie. Georgia. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Lorette. How are you? Hi, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having us on. I so appreciate you making time for the both of us. Oh, thank you for for accepting the offer. I was so happy. So everybody who's listening, you guys have to understand what happened here. I am, I get these messages from the dodo. If, if you don't know what the dodo is, just go online. It's the dodo. And I received this message and I see this woman who's like, talking about a dog and like I don't have sound automatically but I go and put the sound and I start hearing the story so Georgia was at the neighbors and she basically said no I don't want to be here I want to be with Lorette <laughs> yeah that's right so the neighbor um Georgia was an Arizona street dog and <sighs> through a couple of friends, basically, he ended up with Georgia because he had the room um, and he had her for about nine months, but she slept outside. She didn't go in the house. Um, and at one point he told me that Georgia was heading to the shelter and I begged him, please don't bring her to the shelter. Um, at the time, my 13 year old dog, Uno, who was, you know, one of the biggest loves of my life uh, was dying and I knew he was getting ready to pass. And so it wasn't going to be fair to bring a nine month old puppy into his home when he wasn't feeling well. So um, the neighbor reluctantly agreed and um, Uno passed and a month to the day that Uno passed away, Georgia snuck her way under our fence and we just had a small rabbit hole that she pushed her way under um, and I let her stay for about an hour because you know I just loved her so much and then I put her back in the yard by the time I got back to my yard she had met me at the at, at my house again and so I brought her in the house and she just you know she laid down and I, I was working I was sending some emails and I thought okay I gotta return her again so I brought her back down the street put her in her gate and um, by the time I got back to the top of my house she was waiting for me again and I thought well you know, we have coyotes out here and we have bobcats. And so if she was going to keep, you know, pushing her way out or escaping, I felt really responsible for her safety. So um, I kept her uh, overnight, but I had written a note because I didn't have my neighbor's um, number. number at the time. So I had written a note, stapled it on the inside of his gate. Um, and at 3 p.m. the next day, I got a call from my neighbor saying, hey, is Georgia there? And I said, yeah, she's here. She's been here since 7 a.m. yesterday. And he's like, okay. And I thought, you got it. You this is your chance. Like you have to ask right now. And I said, I really love this dog. May I keep her? And he's like, yep, no problem. That quick. 
He didn't even hesitate. He didn't think about it. It was like, yep. He goes, good. I'm glad it worked out. Click and hung up. And I thought, oh God, I have to tell Kurt what I just did. And so Kurt's my husband. Um, And uh, I called Kurt who was at work and he's like, yeah, okay, sweetheart. Like I didn't see this coming. I'll see you in Georgia and um, like like he didn't see that coming. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. He knew. He's gorgeous. I love her. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So in the story, you basically you you explain that you were battling ovarian cancer at the time. Right. Yes. So at the age of 34, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and it was such a rare form of cancer that my doctors had never seen it before. So they had to send um, what my ovary had actually grown into the size of was 17 centimeters by 31. Um, So it was very, it was significant. Mm -hmm. Um, What they ended up doing was sending it to Harvard and there was a bunch of researchers um, that came to the conclusion it was squamous cell, which is a type of skin cancer that grew in the ovary. So they not, not ever seeing it before, <laughs> you know, yay me. Yeah. Um, they, God. So they, um, that was after the surgery, they put me on three rounds of chemo. Uh, then I had 25 rounds of radiation um, and had a little bit of time to recover from that and then had three more rounds of, of chemo. So lost all my hair. Um, I lost a lot of weight. Um, and, you know, as an athlete, that was really hard. Um, cause I'm, I'm a runner and, um, you know, hiker, skier, whatever. Yeah. So I was just really weak. Uh, I lost a lot of strength, but, um, this girl, um, yeah, she, she came through, um, right when I was recovering from all those treatments and, um, yeah, just, just really helped me to recover. Um, so it was like, she knew that I needed her more than I knew at the time that I needed her, but it's become very, very clear why she came into my life when she did. It was, it was to help me recover. Mm. You know, I, um, I, it, when I turned 40, um, I had, my stomach was b- really big and really hard. And I was wondering, why is that? Maybe I'll, I'll go see the doctor, you know, and I went to, to right. see the doctor and they right away sent me for enema and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the thing they check in your stomach there with the... Uh, with the camera yeah with they you know how they test that they look for babies you know when they look for babies what's that oh the ultrasound yeah they did the ultrasound thank you they did and then they saw all the liquid and all of that and and they started all panicking you know and I was just like my stomach is hard like what what are you talking about you know and um Basically, now the doctor was calling me at home. I don't know if that's how it works in the States, but here in Canada, when the doctor calls, you kind of go, hello, doctor? Like, the doctor never calls you. So now the doctor's calling me. What's going on? You know, like, like, why are you calling me? He's like, I need you to be in a gynecologist as soon as possible. And he was like panicking, you know? 
Well, turns out my ovaries, I, one of my ovaries was um, uh, uh, an orange and the other one was a grapefruit. And, oh, man. And the liquid was basically caused by the tumors that I had. And, um, and so I was just like, I was like you basically having to deal with I'm gonna what am I gonna die <laughs> you know right. uh, so we you know it's like dealing with um, the, the all of a sudden like off camera you told me it was like you know there was like there's this line I'm born I'm dead I'm like which am I which am I closest to right yeah by the lifeline um, and the the lifeline that you know that I was mentioning to you was this is where you're born. This is where you pass. And so for me, I felt like maybe I was here and I was expecting to be here. So, um, you know, when you're looking at your mortality, it's, uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I had, um, they operated on me. They, mm -hmm. they four liters of liquid I had in my stomach, not four liters. Yes, four liters, a gallon. So that's a gallon yeah. of liquid I had in my in my yeah. stomach. And they removed fifteen tumors. And they removed also my uterus. And when yeah. um, when all of this happened, I had a lot of people that wanted to help me, and I was like, "What do you guys want to do?" You know, I was like, there's nothing. I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there was nothing really for you to do either, except for go through, you know, the surgery and the treatments. I think one of the, uh, the hardest, um, I'm a really stubborn um, human being. And so I'm the first one to be like, no, I got this. I got this. I can handle this. I can do this. And I think for me, one of the biggest lessons I learned was to actually ask for help. Because so many people, the same with you, were saying, what can I do? How can I help? And in the beginning, I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know. But by the end, I'm like, hey, can you pick me up dinner? Can you make me dinner? Um, I couldn't really taste the chemo uh, dulls your senses. Okay. So like mashed potatoes sounded really good. So I would, you know, if my neighbor came over and checked, do you need anything? I'm like, yeah, can you make me some mashed potatoes? Um that, that, that's yeah, we do learn do. Eh? that's that's mm -hmm. the one thing that we've learned is to to that yeah i mean even if i thought there was nothing to do if like what do you want to do is what i said i kind of said well would you like to do and one of my girlfriends she says you know jasmine she says i'm a, a reiki master you know i can send you energy uh, I also, I'm a, a minister. I could pray for you. Like she was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a very religious. I don't pray and stuff like that. But it's so funny because late, like before all of this, I had just seen a documentary on prayer and they were explaining how prayer is powerful and all of this. And, and so she says this to me and I said, okay, well, pray for me. You know, I said, just, if you want, pray for me. She says, I'm going to put you on a prayer chain. I'm like, what is that? Okay. I didn't even know what it was. So 
she said, but when I put you on the prayer chain, you have to ask, you have to tell me what you want us to pray for. And in my mind, I was like, well, I can't ask you to pray for let there be nothing. I knew there was something. I mean, I could yeah. feel it in my stomach, right? I, I, I could feel it. I had, you know, a gallon of liquid in my stomach. <laughs> like I was carrying that. I could feel the liquid in my stomach. So she said, I said to her, I said, well, I want to have good looking inside. Because <laughs> my doctor had told me, when I open you up, I might see something that I don't like. It might look really bad. So I'm just going to close you up and then we'll start the treatment to make it go smaller, like to, 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 to decrease it. And then we'll go in and operate. What was the treatment? Did you go through chemo or radiation? I didn't. I didn't go through anything because um, the, I asked everybody to put me on a prayer chain. And I had people calling me from all over the place. I just received an email. You're on a prayer chain. What is this? What's going on? Like, and I was like, people were praying for me for, from all over the place. And yeah. when I woke up from the operation, my doctor was at like what at this close of my face. And he was kind of like looking at me. I'm exaggerating. He was there. Uh, <laughs> and he was just looking at me with a smile and I'm waking up and I'm on drugs, obviously. And all I see is yeah, yeah, stony baloney. Yeah. All I see is his face smiling. And, and I'm like, you're smiling. Like you're smiling. And it took like, I was, all I was repeating was you're smiling and it was processing the information. And, and he said, yes, do you want to ask me something? but you're smiling. You're smiling. He said, yeah, he says, it's a non, it's a, it's a non, not cancerous. And amazing. I was like, what? He says, no, it was not cancerous. He would, they, they're called borderline cancerous. And yeah. after, after I, you know, they kept me, they kept checking me out. Like, you know, obviously they wanted to know what is this borderline cancerous yeah. you know so and and it was in my um what is the words uh hi <laughs> and she was in my uh, my lymph nodes the, the, oh okay they they had removed some tumors in my lymph nodes and every doctor was looking at me and saying it was in your lymph nodes and it wasn't cancerous like that's crazy they're like we don't understand and in my mind the only thing i was thinking was it was all the prayers like that's that's the only thing like for me it was kind of like because i knew there was something there right but like my learn like what i learned in that moment was I don't have to believe, you know, somebody else can, what they believe, it can be true too. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that it's not true. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I have a lot of friends. I'm not religious, but I have a lot of friends that are and, you know, are, are deeply religious and I support them 100% and uh, they're not wrong, you know, and I'm not wrong. Um, it, I just, I wish a lot of people could 
have that type of mentality and just, you know, we're all trying to survive, right? Like this life is challenging and some days are so much harder than others. And I don't know why there's some folks that um, try to make it even harder on, on others. Um, and so, you know, I could be wrong or I could be right, but my whole goal in life is just to be a kind, thoughtful, um, you know, freaking ray of sunshine. That's, that's what I want to be. And I, you know, and I want to, I want to drink wine and I want to get dogs adopted and I want to save as many lives as I, as I can. And, um, that's, that's my goal. And I, you know, um, I, yeah. Who am I to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't believe? That's, that's not my place. So, um, so what is, what do you think is the, the biggest thing that you've learned throughout the journey of going through ovarian cancer and beating the kick, kicking the ass out of it? <laughs> kicking its ass. Um, the biggest lesson for me after this whole cancer experience is, um, not sweating the small stuff. And I'm from the East coast. I'm from Merrimack, New Hampshire. Um, and so East coast blood runs hot when we get in behind, you know, when we get in a car and get behind the wheel, we just road rage immediately. And I don't know why that happens, but, um, I have realized that getting upset with someone who's doing something that has nothing to do with me. They just made a mistake. Me freaking out is stupid and it's only causing me stress, not them. So it's, um, it's trying to apply stuff like that. And, um, you know, like deadlines, I always get stuff done and the things that I used to worry about never really came to fruition. So when you start thinking about a situation and your mind automatically goes to the consequences or the worst case scenario, that, you know, maybe we were trying to prepare ourselves for the worst case scenario, but it almost never happens. It almost never comes through. So why worry about it? You're creating this problem that isn't actually there. So for me, that's, um, stopping, stopping my creation of those problems up here and getting on the hamster wheel and, and worrying about something that hasn't happened. Yeah. So oh, worry, worry. What is it? What's the quote I read? Worry, you know, makes us think, makes us think that it's useful, but really it's just like a pain in our asses, man. It's not, there's, I mean, it just, has no real good purpose. I mean, if we could just bring ourselves back to the moment and look at what's going on now, right now. I mean, I just think of the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my income. What's it? like, I was like, okay, but right now, can I pay my bills? Yeah. Okay. So that's it. Yeah. it I mean, I could have stressed my brains out about it, you know, back yeah. in March last year, and you know what? It's it's a year over a year, and I was able to pay my bills. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like sometimes I'm just like, no need to worry. Just look at yeah. what's going on right yeah. now and see what you can do. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm 
trying to do. I'm trying to worry less um, because it doesn't, it, the stressing and the worrying doesn't serve me and stress does so many bad things to a body anyway. So just trying to minimize the stress. Do you think, like, have you ever thought about, uh, and I don't even know if this is true. I'm not, I'm, I'm just asking. Um, have you ever thought that, you know, like that cancer would be directly related to the amount of stress that we kept inside our bodies? I did because my mom, um, you know, who was the most lovely, sweet, ridiculous, um, kind-hearted, giving woman I've ever met, um, she was just geared for stress. And so I remember being little and, you know, I, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my mom a little neck rub. And my mom was as hard as a rock. And it's because she carried all of her stress up here. And I'm convinced that because of her amount of stress, she went through um, three different breast cancer, cancer battles. And the third one metastasized from breast cancer into lung cancer. And my mom passed as a non-smoker. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was always um, the last two battles with, cancer was after something extraordinarily stressful happened to her, but she didn't manage that stress. So um, I'm hoping that more studies come out of linking cancer with stress. And I, I hope that more people become aware of their bodies and what's happening. And especially, you know, when people are driving, if they're doing this and they're like white knuckling the steering wheel, man, you get to like, yeah you gotta talk yourself down you gotta relax you gotta relax your jaw and um just be a little kinder to yourself yeah yeah and then you know it's gonna spill over to everything else start with yeah, you. for sure start with mm -hmm. you okay so i also know that you're an avid dog lover just like me <laughs> oh. I only have one. How many do you have? Five. <laughs> I, uh, so I have four, four puppies. Four puppies are mine. So Georgia, who's on the couch with me yeah. right here. And then Sage is right here. So this is Sage. So Sage is about four, five months old. Um, and uh, she was founded at about three months old, abandoned on a dirt road, um, a few cities, a few towns over. And so um, she had a really bad ear infection. Her left eye uh, looked like it had been scratched. So she has a blue, like iridescent um, covering over her eye. Uh, and then right here is probably a little bit difficult to see, but this girl is Hazel. So Hazel is our fifth dog and Hazel is my foster. So by law in California, you can have four dogs. Okay. So I have four dogs. Um, Sage was the last one and Hazel is the fifth dog that I can foster. So she's, um, she just got spayed today. So she's a little 
you know, under the weather. Um, so she's laying in the, in the sunshine right there and, and napping and trying to sleep that anesthesia off. Um, but the other two girls are outside uh, because they start wrestling and, you know, rocking and rolling. And so it's like doggy WrestleMania around the, the nickel household. Um, so, yeah. So the, <laughs> so that means that you're looking for a home for uh, this, this girl. Hazel. Hazel. That's right. All yep. right. So, yep. so uh, you're in California? Yes. Yep. I'm in uh, California. So I'm in the Temecula, Murrieta, Menifee area. Um, and Hazel is amazing. She is um, a chocolate lab, probably pit bull mix. Okay. Um, I'm trying to, I'll find a photo of her because yeah, I don't want to bother yeah. her. Um, but uh, she is such a great girl. She's very calm. Um, she's kind of like a couch potato. She yeah. does really, really well off of three miles. Um, so normally we go hiking um, and my four girls and I can do upwards of five miles. This one, she can do three miles and she's really good. Um, yeah. And then I think she would be perfect. Um, she would be perfect as an only dog or with a pack. Yeah, um, you because are, you have four, so obviously. Oh, she yeah. is beautiful. Isn't she gorgeous? She is gorgeous. So, mm -hmm. so she just has the most beautiful amber eyes and, um, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's, this one, this one's going to be really hard to let go of. I know I'm going to cry like a baby, but again, by law, I can have four. Um, there's going to come a point where my travel season starts up you know, um, five dogs, four dogs is a lot for a dog sitter to come over and feed and, you know, take care of, but five dogs just kind of pushes, pushes it over, over the limit. But, um, yeah, Hazel is really tolerant, um, dog friendly, um, cuddle bug. She's just very, very special. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put the links to your Instagram so they can oh, cool, get in touch nice. with you. If uh, yeah, yeah. listening. Um, mm -hmm. oh, and, um, and uh, I want to talk about the motorbike and the sidecar. Oh. And the yes, let's. <laughs> I know. Like that, I know. I mean, come on. That, okay. So everybody, I know I'm like jumping over. I'm not even telling you what it is. Basically, um, Lorette has a bike with a sidecar and she drives around. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to put a link to the, the story. That is so cool. Uh, so she rides around like this is something that I would have done with my Pepper. I mean, he would have definitely done the same thing as Lorette, uh, as a oh. Georgia. And uh, uh, yeah, like it's so cool. And she literally like just jumped in there on her own right away. Yeah. Immediately. So I have wanted a motorcycle sidecar for 10 years. It's just been my dream. And I've always really loved dogs. Um, and so at 34, I was diagnosed at 39. I actually was starting to feel 
fully recovered from the chemo and the radiation. Um, and I thought, well, it's my 40th birthday and this is the big birthday, you know, um, for me. So I, the only thing I want is a motorcycle sidecar. And so I asked Kurt and he's like, all right, well, let's do some research. Let's look into it. And he surprised me with a bike the morning of my birthday. And of course I'm like, I can't believe it. And I'm so excited and I'm jumping out of bed and he's, you know, honking the horn, um, riding the bike up to the house. And I just book it out the front door and I can't believe this is my bike. Um, and so a motorcycle sidecar rides completely different than a motorcycle. It's kind of like if you put a couch on wheels and it handles differently. So um, I wanted to build up my experience before I actually took it out on the road. But when I was driving it around the driveway, Georgia jumped straight in. And I promise you, I promise you, she knew that was her seat immediately. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was you immediately too. Exactly. This dog is so intuitive and so special and yeah, she just, um, all I had to do, you know, with that seat was like, come on, George. And she just popped right in and, um, yeah, it, it was, How long did it take for her to wear the goggles? She still hates the doggles. Yeah. Um, so we started with the doggles with the lens out so she could kind of just get used to feeling something on her face. And so I would leave them on for about 10 seconds, give her a treat, pet her, and then I would take them off. And then so the time kept increasing and the goggles um, the lenses finally went into the doggles, uh, when she was on the bike and I would treat her again, tell her good girl. She knows that when she's in the bike, the goggles have to stay on. Um, and so I try not to exhaust, you know, the, the length that the goggles are on her. I swear, you know, when we go out for a nice night and we're in heels and we take the, the our high heels off at the end of the night, I swear, as soon as I take her doggles off, like it's the same relief on her face <laughs> of us taking our high heels off and her taking the doggles off. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So cute. Uh, well, I, I really, really, really love the story. I like, I mean, I loved everything about it. I think that, you know, you have a beautiful energy. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm so happy that you're in California and that you can do motorcycle with Georgia and adopt these dogs. And I, yeah, it's just, it, I had to talk to you so it's like so I didn't even tell people but basically what happened is I listened to the story found her on Instagram and I texted her <laughs> you have to come <laughs> we have to talk yeah. yeah 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 no I I just I really appreciate you even you know thinking of me and sending a invitation to come on your podcast and I think that's really special and um, you know, if, if we can spread some joy and positivity, that's, that's what I'm all about. And, uh, you know, it, things are really tough right now. And, uh, um, there's a lot of people that are, are, are struggling, um, either with work or with their mental health or, um, just feeling kind of isolated, 
yeah, just that, that meh feeling, um, you know, it's kind of hard for a lot of people to shuffle through. So if, um, yeah, if Georgia and I can, can offer any kind of sunshine, then that's, that's what we hope to do. And, um, you know, it's so fun for, for me and, you know, please know I'm doing this for attention, driving down to old town front street in Temecula, because people on Sunday morning are brunching and they're having champagne. They're out with their friends and they're just having a great time. And, you know, all the tables are outside lining um, uh, Front Street and you have to cruise at five miles an hour. So, of course, I go down there Sunday morning so I can just cruise on my bike and wave at everybody and say good morning and watch their reactions of seeing this crazy looking contraption with a female, you know, driver and then they see the dog with doggles and they're like, it just makes me laugh so hard. I love it. Um, I, have, so. I, listen, I have a small car. I have a two seater. Okay. And in the front seat, there's me. And then next to me, I bought a basket. Okay. Oh, cool. So, and, and it's yeah. a, a tall basket. So the dog goes in the basket and I, yeah. I harness her and then I put the window down and she just hangs like this. Yep. <laughs> when people get at stoplights, she's just like, and she just looks at them and that makes yep. them smile too. She's like, yep. She's Love just it. like, she's such a sweetheart. I mean, I, it, I, everybody should have a dog. <laughs> I agree. It, they're, they are life-changing. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, and I, I think what's so fun is that a lot of people don't realize how much traveling you can do with your dog. And I understand probably, you know, not now. Things are weird now. But there's dog-friendly hotels and there's road trips and... Um, you know, that was part of the reason that I really wanted a sidecar is to, um, you know, go on a road trip, uh, with, with my best girl. I think after, you know, driving my sidecar around for a year, um, road tripping in a, in a motorcycle sidecar is going to be much more difficult than I had originally anticipated. Um, so, you know, I'll be real spoiled and see if I can eventually, um, save enough money for a trailer and then trailer the bike and, you know, go, go take the bike with Georgia around whatever site I want to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's, um, I don't think people should put time stamps on their dreams because at 40 years old, I got my motorcycle street license and, you know, got my motorcycle with my best girl and, um, you know, completed one of, not completed because the, the, the journey is not over yet for Georgia and I, but I at least started one of the most important things on, on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, my podcast is called Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. And um, I like, I really, I really see you doing that. <laughs> so thank you. That means a lot. 
So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, just don't, don't get in your own way, basically. Like, yeah. do the yeah. thing. Get out of your head, guys, and just stay in the moment and do what you yep. want to do. Yep. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lorette. Thank you, Georgia. <laughs> thank you, Jasmine. Bye, guys. <laughs>